Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to be back. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Candice Buddington. I'm a qualified PT and nutritional advisor in Cape Town. Um, yeah, so just popping in to let you know that things are going to be a little different moving forward on the podcast. Over the last three seasons, I've interviewed so many people who have shared their personal experiences on physical and mental health. Towards the end, we started dipping our toes into building a brand, and as much as I've loved these conversations, I thought it was time to switch things up a bit. So I would like to welcome our co-host, Jessica Kotlowitz, for season four of the podcast. Jessica is a registered dietitian who focuses mainly on plant-based nutrition and real science, and together we'll be diving into some really juicy topics of physical and mental health well-being and falling in love with our bodies in a world that can sometimes mislead us. Okay, I feel like I've taken enough time on today's intro, so let's start today's episode where Jess and I share our journeys coming off the pole. We discuss how diet and exercise affect hormones and fertility. We answer questions like, does the way we eat affect acne? And when to stop blaming your diet and cutting yourself on the journey to balancing your hormones. Without further ado, let's dive in. I've always wanted to do this actually as well I wanted to do this um with someone for more than one episode and I'm very grateful to be doing it with you so um if you don't know Jess Jess is going to introduce herself fully for a quick sticks before we get into our first episode today so my name's Jessica Kotlovitz I'm also known as the green dietitian and I'm basically a registered dietitian I qualified about seven years ago now and um, I'm also plant-based for my own personal reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into. So I focus a lot on plant-based nutrition and a lot on just general myth-busting. And I have a private practice in Cape Town where I just help mostly women to achieve their goals in terms of health and yeah, weight and all that kind of stuff which we're going to talk about a lot too, I'm sure. Yeah, I can't wait. And um, if you've just kind of found this episode along the way, my name is Candice Bonington. I'm a qualified personal trainer and nutritional advisor in Cape Town as well. Most of my stuff's online and I just thought it would be far better for the audience to have fully qualified guidance through this really crazy, crazy world that we find ourselves in from exercise to nutrition. So you're in safe hands and we can't wait to take you on the journey diving straight into our first episode today, which is all about hormonal periods and acne. We'll be touching on our stories and on all the science behind it. So let's go straight into it. Um, while I'm talking, I guess, I will just explain and share my story at the poll. I was on it for 10 years. I was on one called Nordet, I think. It was a much softer poll, not like Yaz, where a woman had crazy symptoms, but still, being on something for 10 years can wreak havoc on your hormonal state. Um, so I didn't actually have like an epiphany reason as to why I went off the poll. I just got to a point where and I found the synchronicity with so many women. They get to 10 years mm-hmm. and they just think, why am I on this stuff? This is mm-hmm. madness. And then they just go off, which I don't recommend. I recommend like having some kind of 
doctor or dietitian or some kind of guidance holding your hand in the process because I just went straight off. And Why was, were you put on it in the first place? Because I spoke to my mom and I was like, I'm, I want to start having sex and I want to start doing it safely. And I think there's a lot of informed consent from doctors as to why they just agree to put anyone on the pill and so I understand and I completely um, like accept my mom's choice because when you're that young you don't really know what's best for you and I think she really thought that was the best thing for me however it was still my choice to stay on it for as long as I did and I definitely did the skipping of the red pills and missing it and I can't imagine what I did to my poor body um so yeah I went on that for 10 years and then yeah I just got to that weird point where I was like okay I think I should go off this went off it three months down the line I was like oh I'm fine I'm like the 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 special one nothing's gonna happen to me and bam like everything happened everything went to shit (laughs) um I got acne I put on weight I got seriously fatigued I had anything you can imagine every symptom you thinning of hair however it wasn't because of the pill the pill had masked a thyroid condition that I had called Hashimoto's which we will probably get into at some point and um, yeah I was actually experiencing all of the symptoms that the breakthrough bleed was hiding because if I had not been on the pill I would have realized I wasn't getting a period which is tied to Hashimoto's Um, but the pill was covering up all that the good skin the um, somewhat moderate energy levels, though I always had low iron, I think you have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought it was that, uh, but it was actually an underlying hormonal imbalance. Um, yeah. And that's something a lot of people, I only recently learned that, that the period you get on the pill is not actually considered a menstrual period. Yeah. It's just considered a breakthrough bleed. So like the hormone levels just drop and that causes you to bleed, like to shed some uterine lining, but it's not the same as a menstrual cycle. Yeah, because that full cycle has not really been had. Yeah. Um, which you don't know if one, you're not maybe tracking it. Tracking it has been very insightful. I won't say it's like the only thing, but it's interesting when you go through like a weird change in the month and you're like, hmm, something is weird and different. And then you log it into your app and you're like, okay, I'm in a new phase. That yeah. makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, that's kind of a, a, a nutshell of my story. I don't know. Let's go into yours. Yeah, I feel like it's very similar. Mine's very similar, actually. Well, I actually had acne as a teenager, and uh, my dermatologist just prescribed the pill. I think I first did, like, antibiotics for acne, and then the antibiotics inevitably stop working because you get, like, antibiotic resistance. Um and then he was like, okay, well, the next step is the pill. And I was like, cool. Everyone I knew was on the pill. I didn't think it was a big deal. It wasn't because I was sexually active and I was 15, I think, or 16. Um, and I just went on it. And I actually, I think around the age of 18, I started to be like, you know, I don't like this pill and I don't know what it I think what it was really about is I've always been into like natural health even at that age and I was just like I really want to know that my body's working and I want to know that I'm getting my period on my own every month and I want to know that I'm ovulating and I want to know that I'm able to have children one day and when I'm on the pill I can't tell and like I'd never really had my period without the pill because 
I literally got my first period or two and then went on the pill, you know? So I was like, I don't even know if I have a regular cycle. I don't even know if I have heavy periods. Like I don't know naturally what my period's actually about or what it actually does. And I was like, I really just want to know and want to like get in touch with my cycle. Um, So at that point, I actually went off the pill for six months and straight away my acne came back so and I didn't like push through it I was just like I can't deal with this acne and it wasn't even a looks thing it was like the itchiness of it and the discomfort of it yeah which I realized when I got adult acne it's It's horrible yeah so I just and it was almost like immediately that the acne came back and I they always say well you've got to give your hormones like six months to rebalance so I gave it the six months and after the six months I was like can't do this anymore (laughs) I'm going back on the pill and I literally did that every two years I was on the pill for like 10 years in total but every two years I would like get to this point where I was like I don't know what my cycle's doing I don't like the feeling of this I want to come off and I would just stop taking it and then my acne would come back and I'd go back on um and I think when I was yeah when I was about 24 so like seven years ago that's when I finally came off it and stayed off it and the only reason I stayed off it was because the acne didn't come back and I think maybe I just outgrown like the teenage acne um or maybe I had changed my diet and my lifestyle a lot then I was a lot healthier so maybe that had like helped the acne for some reason but yeah it never came back and I've never looked back like I really just like the maybe like esoteric aspect of like being a woman and having a cycle and being in touch with your cycle and like like you said like there's so many nuanced things that shifts every day as your cycle happens and it feels weird to be numbed out to that for me I numbed out is a really interesting word because that's kind of what you feel like and you only understand that feeling in hindsight I would say years later you really look back and you're like wow i had no connection to like my feminine self yeah. whatsoever and not in a sense of like go and have to do rituals and stuff but you you don't feel in your body yeah until you feel in your body yeah um which has been yeah really interesting and i think it's a really empowering feeling as a woman to like feel your period doing its thing you know to know that your reproductive system works on its own and to know that it works when it should work and even just to be in touch with like ovulation which most women like most women know when they bleed but they don't know when they're ovulating and to start understanding that and feeling that and being like wow it's so incredible that your body actually does this thing every month and your hormones just know what to do you know not that um, everyone ovulates or everyone has regular periods but it's it's kind of a good diagnostic tool if you don't have regular periods like you said it was masking a whole medical condition for you um there's actually people that are saying that your period is like the fifth vital sign and that all doctors should be asking women i think so yeah and i know i ask all my female patients you know what's your period like do you have a regular cycle are you on the pole because it leads to you know potential let's just say in your in your space and what i've experienced as well as most women who are lacking a period over certain phases you can see maybe if there's like 
a bit of a disordered pattern mm -hmm. or if there is a deficiency somewhere you can kind of dig in a little deeper it gives you like that extra toolkit to be yeah. like okay let's dig in this side yeah. um, but one thing that I do get asked a lot even in DMs is what do you take then if you're not on the pill mm -hmm. and I know that the answer is not sexy for me <laughs> I mean it's not. it's not I'm like I use condoms it's terrible to move color but it is what it is yeah like yeah I think also like uh, so obviously like responsible contraception is really important and that's something like I discussed with my doctor before I went off the pill I was like okay what other non-hormonal options are there because I didn't want like external hormones in my body I wanted to have my natural cycle and my doctor said to me like it's condoms <laughs> like it's basically barrier methods right so condoms or the diaphragm, which you don't get in South Africa anymore, I was actually keen to try it, um, and they couldn't source it for me, which is, I guess, probably a little bit better than a condom, because you can actually keep it in for, like, 12 hours, so oh, you don't what? have to, like, put it on straight before. Oh, yeah, um, so it's not like that awkward moment of, yeah, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> and it's, um, I think, can be more comfortable, you know, it's not like, it doesn't, oh, like, yeah. interfere with sensation as much. So I wanted to try that, but it's not available anymore because it's just not popular. You know, like people are just on the pill and they're not looking for other, for other methods. So, um, yeah, we used condoms <laughs> for a yeah. long time. And I think when you have a regular cycle, you also know when you are fertile and you know when it's more important to be careful um, or more careful. And um I actually discovered the fertility awareness method yes. like in the last I would say three years there's a great book I think it's called getting I don't know we'll have to check we'll have to put it in the notes or something yeah, I put it in the description. Um, but yeah it's really interesting and it's about learning to track your cycle and learning when you're most fertile and women are actually only fertile for like three to five days out of the 28 day yeah. cycle yeah so yeah exactly there's actually sorry to interrupt no. but there's a great netflix series that talks about the pill i can't remember i've seen now. it I have to put it in the notes it's really good but it really sums up how ridiculous and how sexist the whole contraceptive world is yeah um but that really is another another conversation but i will put in the link because i yeah. think it's a very interesting watch yeah it is i like yeah, because basically, actually, the person who taught me about fertility awareness in a way was my gynae, who's like just really super forward thinking for a gynae. And she said to me, she's like, okay, you have a regular cycle. If you know when you ovulate, which I do, then she's like, if you just avoid sex or use condoms around a certain, like she gave me a certain window around ovulation, you'll be fine. And I did that for, for a few years. So we would like use condoms when it was like danger zone and then not otherwise. Condoms <laughs> Exactly. And then after that, I actually learned more about what she was telling me, which is you're only fertile for a certain amount of days a month. And if you know exactly when you're ovulating, then you can really just abstain or use barrier methods around ovulation. And the rest of the month, you don't really have to be yeah. so careful um there's obviously a lot that goes into tracking your cycle and into like knowing when you're ovulating like I take my temperature every morning you know because yes. your temperature spikes when you ovulate so 
um but I think it's so worth it and it's actually been really nice like it's so interesting getting to know your cycle and tracking it every month and seeing how your temperature spikes and seeing that your body's working you know no I think it is the only downside is I don't know how many people are willing to do it however might take the conversation in the sense of I'm just gonna you know plug it into an app and let the app tell me when I might be ovulating so I would just be careful yeah and only do it if you're really invested like you are yeah in understanding and knowing the knowledge and really getting to know your body before just be wise be yeah safe, because obviously not everyone <laughs> ovulates on day 14 of their cycle yeah. so you actually have to check when you're really ovulating not just count on an app for that um and that's what the book is all about that i read so if anyone is interested i think read that book and really understand what the science is behind like how cycles work and how to track it properly you can't just assume that you're going to ovulate on a certain day because then you probably will get pregnant <laughs> don't do that okay cool so where am i where am we at now where are we at now um personally i am still going in and out of getting my cycle because of the diagnosis i had to do a lot of lifestyle shifts had to do a lot of just getting to know how I can I don't I don't want to say like certain foods or certain medications or either of like or not any of those things worked but I really had to find out how my body worked and I went into Picostol mm-hmm. which is actually for PCOS but because my symptoms of Hashimoto's were very similar to PCOS uh, she put me on it a few months of that I've been getting my regular cycle with a calorie increase and a deduction of exercise. Um, now I'm getting it, and I'm probably missing every third one, but it's more delayed than a miss, which I'm very happy with because I have not received it in two years. Sure. So it was a very long way to get it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at now. I will never go back in the poll. Um, and for now, it's hashtag condom life because I'm going to be honest, I'm just not. I, I, I won't. I know myself. I can barely take my Picostal every night I probably won't check my temperature and all of that yeah and where you're at with it I feel like you summed it up well though yeah I mean so I never had any like menstrual irregularities or yeah my acne never came back so it was never like a difficult transition to go off the pill for me and I think it's important to share those stories too because Mm. like when you look at what other women are going through it's almost like people are scared to go off the pill because they're like oh my gosh it's going to bring up all these issues but that's not necessarily the case like you can just for a lot of people you can just go off the pill and nothing bad happens and you know you have a regular cycle um maybe like your periods are a bit heavier but that's kind of normal you know um so yeah, so I've been really happy being off the pill for like seven years and nice. <laughs> I think like the contraception thing, we've got that down and we're just used to it, you know, like, and it also brings up a lot of um, like conversations with your partner about like where you're at in your cycle. Like that's kind of what I like about it is that like my husband knows when I'm ovulating and he knows what's happening in my cycle and he knows when it's like safe and when it's not safe and all those that. sorts it's of like things. Another, another um, like, I don't want to say dimension to your relationship, but like to some degree it is because you're digging yeah. into the feminine and really sharing that and kind of 
educating your partner on your whole being, which I just think is so fascinating. Yeah. And recently, even now, though I'm not completely into like like full on astrology, but I do believe that the full moon has a big tug mm-hmm. on me, especially when it comes to like sexual energy and connection with your partner. And now even Luke has picked it up. Yeah. Um, and that all came from the conversation of coming off the pills. So yeah. it's just, yeah, it's beautiful. And I really think men should know how women's bodies work. Like, it's not just our business. It's not just no. for us to, like, monitor our cycles and take care of our periods and things like that. It's for us to, like, teach our partners and hopefully teach our sons one day. Yes, that's um, so important. And have men that are, like, more compassionate towards it, you know? I love that. Yeah. Okay. So, now that we've shared, we're going to dig into a little bit of the nutrition and the exercise point of view when it comes to hormones, really. Yeah. So, um, let's go straight into the nutrition side of it. So, does food, i.e. nutrition, affect hormone balance and fertility? Well, I think, I mean, what you, what you said, right, is that you said the things that you've changed to kind of get your period back have been eating more calories and exercising less and yeah, taking your your supplement. Um, but that to me is like, that sums it up perfectly, is that like over-exercising can suppress ovulation. And basically a lot of the time, if you're not having your period, it means you're not ovulating. Like that's the core issue is that you're not ovulating. And that's what you have to, to look into um, a lot of the time. So... I think just trying to figure out why you're not ovulating, not that it's always to do with your lifestyle. There are medical conditions that can be the cause of that. Um, but yeah, definitely over-exercising can, you know, suppress ovulation. It can basically lower your hormone levels a lot so that you don't really ovulate. Um, and that's just your body kind of our bodies are built for survival you know so if your body knows that there aren't enough calories around and it's expending too much energy it's kind of like well this isn't a good time to make a baby so I'm not going to ovulate this month um and that's just how the body works so if you're under eating not eating enough calories maybe if you have nutrient deficiencies yeah and if you are over exercising you're probably not going to ovulate yeah, and I know for sure, yeah, from my patients, like, women who are underweight do not get their periods. We know this, like, scientifically, you know. We know that women who are professional athletes don't get their periods because most of them are underweight. And even if they're not underweight, they're just over-exercising. With a very low body fat percentage. Yeah. Which your body needs fat. Yeah. To reproduce. To make hormones, yeah. Exactly. Um, the one thing that I, oh, you said something there and I wanted to do and I was just going uh, um, okay we'll leave that because obviously it wasn't oh um, that is where a tracking app comes in real handy I find mm-hmm. because I used to think that it was only just just before my period that I would get sluggish and a little bit like oh, I feel like I need a nest almost mm-hmm. but it comes two weeks before yeah. when you're ovulating and allowing yourself to not be as busy or um, work out as much or eat in inadvertent commas less than you are used to 
is so beneficial because like you said that's the ovulation that's when you're going to get your period not when you actually get it but when you let your body ovulate yeah. and I only realized that when I started tracking yeah and then I was like light bulb now I get it um if you're looking for an app the flow app is so easy um so that's one you can you can navigate I mean I also through. think if you really tuned into your body you might notice that you also get hungrier when you're ovulating yes um, way hungrier yeah and that's your body being like i need more calories right now you know yeah so um, and sorry, sorry yeah about that. um what i also find is that i get super hungry during that period but then i'd say four days before my period I actually lose my appetite mm-hmm. and what happens is when you're looking at um uh, energy uh, consumption over i can't stand it that people look at it um every day but i mean everyone has different goals when you're looking at it for this conversation over a month period and your body consumes, let's say, X amount of calories or needs X amount of calories for that month, it all balances out. Your body knows exactly what it needs just during different phases. Yes. So when you are, over, in your mind, eating more than you normally would in one week, I promise you your body will readjust the next week and you'll eat each day a little bit less naturally yeah. because your body's like, cool, I got what I needed in ovulation, like I'm fine in the luteal phase, like leave me yeah. or in whatever phase you're in. Um, so I think that's also just really important and something that helped me a lot was understanding that my energy intake should not be looked at per day, but rather over, let's say, like three weeks or four mm-hmm. weeks. Like an average, basically, yeah. over time. Yeah. And I think it's exactly the same for exercise. You know, like yeah. some people, I guess, maybe when you're PMS and your energy's low, some people force themselves to exercise. I don't really believe that you should do that. Um but people might feel bad. They might feel like, well, if I don't keep up with my exercise routine, you know, I'm going to lose my fitness or I'm going to like not reach my goals or whatever it is. But in the long run, if you learn to listen to your body, yes, there'll be a few days a month where you exercise less or maybe you take some rest days. And then maybe in the next phase of your cycle, you'll do a lot of exercise because you'll feel really energetic. So if you just give your body what it needs at the different phases, everything kind of equals out in the end. Yeah. I also read somewhere that when pushing yourself in that sick, that stage of um, feeling quite tired, there is an increase in the hormone imbalance and can almost do the opposite. So your body will almost hold on to weight then because mm-hmm. it's like, are you trying to damage me? Mm-hmm. Like, I need to hold on to everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess something about listening to your body, but hearing it and listening to it, I think are two different things. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe just the encouragement to continue um so let's go back into the nutrition side and i would be super curious to know if you know diet and nutrition can help manage acne um going back onto the the things that we experience coming off the pole yeah so i think i think with you know acne fertility periods all these things there's just so much misinformation especially on social media and that's also why I wanted to chat about this today is because I guess there are people you know who have had their struggles coming off the pole or their struggles with acne and they're basically promoting like restrictive diets to help (laughs) with these things oh my gosh um I just wish I could just say more than that (laughs) and yeah like and it can go in any direction like I've seen people being like if you just eat fruit all day, your acne will go, you know, like be a raw vegan, be a fruitarian and your acne will go away. And then on the other side of things, there are people that are like, no, be a carnivore and your acne will go away. And I just want to make it clear that 
you know, there's no research behind any of that. And maybe that was someone's personal experience, but you don't really know. Maybe their acne settled just because they were eating more calories. Yes, I was just about to say that. Like, or maybe it's because, like, I think when people go fruitarian, they're actually giving their body enough carbs for the first time in their lives when they've always been restrict- restricting, you know? Um, or maybe they're getting more vitamins and minerals in. So... Quick one on the carbs. Could you maybe yeah. explain the benefits of including carbs in your diet and how that affects your hormones? I mean... I've been a carb lover my whole life. Yeah. So I literally have never <laughs> excluded a carb. I think I eat too many carbs in relation to macros. Not that I'm, I'm like, that's in my side, but I... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, carbs are just really important for energy production, right? Like that's their job in the body. They power our brains, like our brains work off glucose, which is basically sugar. Um, And I just think without carbohydrates, you're basically relying on protein and fat for energy, which is fine. Your body can do that. Um, But your body is more in like survival mode when it's doing that. That's like a a built-in... So when people go into ketosis, for example, there is a built-in mechanism in all of us that we can survive off of, you know, fats for energy, but it's not your body's default mode and it's not comfortable for your body and it is going to probably affect your hormone levels. Um, And there's quite a lot of research to show that, you know, just having enough carbohydrates does help to ovulate, you know, Um, so yeah I think having a balanced diet and not overly restricting your diet is really important and I just want to make it clear like if anyone is struggling with acne the answer is not to go cut out a million foods like the answer is not to be like oh maybe it's sugar maybe it's gluten maybe it's dairy maybe it's this maybe it's that and then you're left with eating nothing because that's usually acne is is hormonally related right so it's a sign of like a hormonal imbalance and if you are depriving your body of energy and calories and nutrients, those hormonal imbalances are going to get worse, not better. So, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, these are the foods that affect acne. and <laughs> These are the foods that you need to cut out because it's just not true. There are no foods that have been outrightly proven to make acne worse. Besides, to a small extent, um, there is a little bit of research about like refined sugar like added sugar in the diet um but it's not like really we don't have enough research to actually say like yes for sure cutting out sugar makes a difference yeah um but yeah i mean it's it's always good to not have excess sugar in your diet so. i was just about to say at the end of the day it still comes down to excess like yeah if you're gonna over consume i think anything really you're gonna feel the imbalance to some degree whether it's your skin or your tummy or your mood or your energy like there's gonna be a feeling that you're gonna feel unbalanced so it's just really about checking in with that but i really enjoyed this conversation around the nutrition and acne because not only with acne but also with the gut i find a lot of people especially in like not actually in south africa but more overseas like giving them miracle powders Mm -hmm. and supplements and we're going to get into that on the next episode but um how a lot of people are like this helped me with my pcos this magical powder and i just sit there going oh my gosh no yeah like but when you're young and or not even when you're just young but when you don't have the knowledge you don't question yeah so i guess this is just us 
encouraging you to question yeah. when people say this one thing because it's never just one thing with anything um, and always remember that one person's experience is not science that's not yeah it doesn't mean like you should go and copy them and we don't know why certain people you know what we know like in science and in medicine is that conditions get better with time <laughs> so sometimes someone's acne just improved because they gave it time but they'll put it down to a specific lifestyle change that they made or a specific supplement that they took and unless they're like enrolled in a clinical trial there's no way to isolate what it was that actually worked or what it was in their life that actually helped maybe it was their mental state you know there's so many things that like it could be huge mental state and rest yeah can do incredible things to you yeah um and that's just but then again that's my first-hand experience yeah so you know um but on the same question but just going into regulating periods does nutrition and diet you know help regulate a period and i feel like we did touch on that with the calorie intake um, but again, if you have any more on that. Yeah, again, I think eating enough calories, eating a balanced diet, getting enough like macronutrients, like carbohydrates, fats, proteins, they all have a role to play in hormonal balance and hormonal production. So you need all of those in your diet. Like don't go eat crazy low carb diets. Don't go eat crazy low fat diets. Like just eat a balanced diet. Um, and I think also having enough micronutrients in your body so I guess you know do some blood tests check your iron levels we we touched on that a little bit you know iron vitamin d vitamin b12 those are very common deficiencies and they are actually um the pill actually affects your absorption of certain nutrients so a lot of women who've been on the pill do have deficiencies and wouldn't know unless they go and get a blood test so I really believe in kind of doing a little screening of your micronutrient status and supplementing correctly according to that with a health professional to guide you and yeah I mean and doing the right amount of exercise for your body and being at a healthy weight that's so important so many women strive to be underweight basically which in their mind they think that's a healthy weight because that's kind of what the media portrays as a normal healthy weight but when we look at it scientifically it's actually underweight and if you are underweight you will not ovulate so and you won't get your period it's literally the most basic thing and it's really something that so many people they don't want to accept it you know like, I think that's a huge part of getting your period back yes is accepting yes because I see so many patients and they're like, I'm not getting my period and my hormones are upside down. And we do their weight and I'm like, you're underweight, you need to gain weight. And they're like, but can't I just like, <laughs> you know, they want it to be something else. They don't want it to be, they don't, I mean, let's face it, like most women don't want to have to gain weight. It's a scary thing. So um, sometimes you really just have to accept where you are weight wise and what your happy weight is yes. because it's not I remember seeing a, a, a photo on Instagram where there were these women lined up all different heights all different sizes all the same weight mm-hmm. and it was just obviously I know but it's just always nice to have that visual of you literally cannot compare yeah. you can't have that number of what you think is healthy because healthy looks different to everyone even if you think it's the same number Yeah. Um, so I think that's really really important and you know, that can just tie on to our last 
topic of like when should we stop blaming the diet and ourselves yeah for not getting our periods and having outcomes like acne um before we get into that i also just want to say one more thing on the weight topic go ahead (laughs) because i just want to make it clear that ideal weight is different for every woman and there are and body fat percentages actually like you spoke a little bit about body fat and we're actually talking about body fat because it's your body needs a certain percentage of fat in order to produce enough hormones and in order to ovulate right so you can be on the scale a healthy weight but your body fat can be too low or vice versa Hmm. um so how would you know that though you would have to go see you would have to get your body fat checked. Yeah. I mean, body fat is very visual. So if your body fat's low, you look very lean. You can see that you don't have a lot of fat on you. But um, yeah, to look at yourself with an objective eye is difficult. Very. So I think um, that's something, you know, when we talk about athletes, a lot of female athletes are quite muscular. So they, their weight is normal. They weigh a normal amount. Um, but they are underweight in terms of body fat so what's making up most of their weight is just muscle and that's important to look at too and what I've found is genetically some women do have a lower body fat percentage and they will have a healthy cycle at that lower body fat percentage so they're not at that and I'm not talking about they're not underweight but they're just like maybe on the lower end of the normal spectrum but they're not on that lower end through restricting or under eating or over exercising they're just genetically like that right that's different to getting yourself to a low body fat through restricting and under eating and over exercising and that's usually when it's almost not natural for your body to be there you know yeah and that's when um I find women don't get their periods. So that's also just something like on the note of comparisons, like we all do have different genetics. We all are built differently and definitely some women need more body fat in order to ovulate and some women can get away with a bit less. Yeah. And I I guess it's getting trickier um, when we have more visuals of comparison these Mm -hmm. days. So, I mean, I know every single podcast talks about it, but Social media is incredibly impactful. It's very instant um, in the sense of for some gratification and the others in comparison. So if you're having days like that, my biggest advice is to do a little bit of a cleanup um, and really check in to see that you're just not completely um, like cutting off the conversation with people that maybe make you feel uh, you compare yourself, but just diversifying your feed mm-hmm. really. And seeing that, you know, like you said, some people can be leaner and some people can have a little bit more body fat and equally beautiful and strong. Mm -hmm. Um, But diversifying my feed has been incredibly beneficial for like my mental health. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as I scroll past one person with like a six pack, the next one is this woman full of just like complete, how can I say it, like confidence. Mm -hmm. And she looks completely different. And it's just like that quick reminder to be like, okay, snap out of your comparison. Yeah. Like you can't, don't do that yourself. It's also it's just not. like, oh, people come in all shapes and sizes yeah. and they're all beautiful, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah, so our last, our last point for today was like, when do we stop blaming the diet <laughs> slash ourselves? Yes. So I think this is something I see a lot like in the wellness world. I mean, there's so much health and wellness information out there on social media and because of that, I think we've created this culture where we really believe that everything we eat and everything we do affects our health. 
which in a way is true, um, but there are medical conditions that you haven't caused yourself to have, you know, and there are medical conditions that can't be cured just by diet or lifestyle. So I just want to make that clear, like, that's something that I think actually in terms of mental health is really bad for people. So, for example, I have patients who are struggling to get pregnant, right? So they're struggling maybe with infertility. And in their minds, they've done something wrong to, like, cause that. Or they've maybe, yeah, maybe they need to change their diet in some way. Maybe they need to eat healthier. Like, so they come to me and they're like, what can I do (laughs) to kind of make myself more fertile? And, you know, sometimes there are just things that we can't explain, firstly. And secondly, we have to accept that there are so many things in our bodies and in life that we aren't in control of. And in my opinion, fertility is one of them. I mean, yes, you can always be healthier. You can always work on your diet. But that's not going to guarantee that you're going to get pregnant. So um, it's something that I see a lot in the wellness world. And something that makes me really sad, like when women blame themselves for having Hashimoto's for example and kind of like the messaging around it is like well you can cure your Hashimoto's if you mm. just eat healthier and I'm sure you see that a lot on social media you know I just don't follow it <laughs> <laughs> to be honest I'm like my mental health comes first click <laughs> yeah and that's the message that like when people say it might sound like a positive message when someone's like you can cure your illness by just cutting out foods and eating healthier but actually the underlying message is you're to blame for what's wrong with you and you have to fix it and that's not always true like there are health professionals out there that can help you firstly so it's not your responsibility to fix everything and to know everything and secondly it's not always like usually it's not caused by something you did to yourself you know yeah it's usually just something that happens like illness happens it's trauma it's so much more than yeah you as one being has the capacity to to change with like a carrot yeah and it's it's external environmental things too exactly. like you know maybe it's pollution maybe it's just the way your immune system works and the way your immune system has responded to the world around it i would love to touch on um at some point in our episodes i've heard so many people and i've also you know dived into a little bit but is black mold and how it affects people's health I feel like that's another kettle of fish. Yes. Um, anyway, so that is, that's us for our first episode back. And it's been really cool to, to slowly find our groove. Um, next week, we'll be talking about fatty supplements. Mm-hmm. Uh, fatty? Fatty. 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 It kind of sounds like you're saying fatty. I know. <laughs> like this is going against everything that I stand Okay, fad supplements. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything. No, I mean, yeah, I think we covered everything this week and cool. it, was, it was a really awesome chat. I'm yeah. looking to, forward to sharing it with everyone. Cool. Well, thank you guys for popping in. Um, we're really, really excited about this entire series. Next week, you can join us for fad supplements because I keep saying fatty. <laughs> um, can't wait to see that. Okay, bye. Cheers.